welcome to season three of Gill Athletics Connection Podcast. If this is your first time here, we're so excited you hit the play button today. If you like what you hear, check out our library of hundreds of past guests that is sure to give you value. For everyone else, we're so happy you've come back. Quick favor, if you haven't already, consider taking a minute to rate and review the podcast. This simple act helps amplify these amazing stories, and we just love to hear your feedback. Heck, we may even read it out loud in a future episode. Okay, that's enough of an intro, right? Let's get to it. See what today's guest has in store for us. All right, here we are back again at the Gill Athletics Connections Track and Field Podcast. Uh, this is kind of a part three of a three-parter that we've been doing here. Uh, if you haven't, this is your first episode. Go back two weeks ago. We had the CEO of USTFCCCA, Sam Seams. That's a that's a lot of S words right there. Uh, Sam kicked us off talking about his background and what the USTFCCCA does and does for coaches. And then we had Tim Byrne on. Tim was named recently the boys coach of the year from the uh, national boys coach of the year for high school through the USTFCCCA uh, sponsored by the U S Marines, by the way, we got to give a shout out to the U S Marines for sponsoring that. And here kind of our three-legged relay here, we've got our anchor help me welcome the girls national high school coach of the year from St. John's college high school in, in DC. I haven't been there, so I've got to, I'm sure I'm gonna have a hundred questions for him. Help me welcome the wise, the wonderful Mr. Desmond Dunham. Desmond, how are you, sir? Hey, Mike, how are you? Thanks for having me today. I'm I'm excited to be here. Yeah, we had a little uh, technical, we had a, you know, Desmond's not the IT teacher at St. John's. We had a little technical difficulty, but we worked it out. And I'm really glad we did because his video wasn't working. And so if, you, if you're not watching, head over to YouTube and check this out. But when he finally unveiled his video, this big pin relays wheel, wagon wheel, if you know what those are, was right behind them. And I was like, well, that's a, that's a pretty good unveiled. Or, you know, I know you're in DC. I don't ever, never, don't really think of DC as a pin relays, a tractor, but do, do you, are you, is pin relays like you're either pin or Drake's? So, I mean, are you a big pin relays guy? Obviously we are all pin relays. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Pin relays is a uh, pretty prominent and prestigious meet on the East coast. So um, that's something that a lot of coaches are carrying rope to, uh, put this on top of their uh their van on the way oh back. yeah if they're so fortunate <laughs> yeah what 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 is the this uh wheel for what would you guys win this is uh 2007 uh we captured two pennies um in the four by four four by eight we became the first uh u.s american team to beat the jamaicans in the same pin relay carnival um so we, we captured a four by four four by eight and then we came back the next year and won the four by four uh, in 2008. Dude. Yeah. <laughs> Hello, man. Good Lordy. I was a, uh, through most of my coaching career, I was a Drake Relays guy. And I still, it's one of my most favorite. It's just, you know, it, it's a different atmosphere between, I know they're on the same weekend and they're both relay meets, but yeah. They're two different meets and both have their, their pluses uh, and both of them have their minuses. And both of those minuses are weather, by the way, don't get fooled. It's both get it. Um, but you know, my, uh, my, I, Mike, I, you know, sorry to cut you off, but I attribute our first pin relay championship uh, due to the weather because the, we, bad we, weather. We, yeah. Bad weather. We train in all types of conditions uh, and, you know, I, it's through the adversity that you build that character and yeah, that yeah. determination so we had torrential rain pour, uh, three hour delay in the meet, and the weather, the 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 wind, the winds picked up, and the temperatures dropped by Ooh. over twenty degrees. So, um, needless to say, we were ready. 
Um, we yeah. felt like we were not the best team, but we were the most prepared team. And we, we handled those uh, adverse conditions really well. That, that's what it's great about track and racing, because it's not necessarily the best team. It's the best on that day team. That so, day. yeah, I love it. I love it. <laughs> well, I did get to go two years when I was uh, the sprints and hurdles coach at Mississippi State. We we got to go to pin relays and we actually won a couple of uh, like we won the four by two and I think nice. maybe a sprint med or something like that. Wow. Yeah. Wow. Uh, uh, but it's different. It's a whole different meet, a whole different <laughs> town, whole different everything. But we're here to talk about you, Desmond. So uh, we're going to put a pause on the national coach of the year. Congratulations, by the way. I mean, it's a, so it's a big deal. When I look at the list of the state winners, so it's 51, I think, right? We do the 50 States plus DC. Right. Uh, and you know, it's names that I interact with and hear and see on a daily basis. They're the ones that are, you know, putting out great training content. They're the ones that are winning state titles. Uh, so all 51, you know, 51 boys coaches and 51 girls coaches are, are like, rock star. I mean, amazing. And then somehow, and I would never want to be on this committee because this seems like the hardest job in the world. They take those 51 for both boys and 51 for girls, and they come up with one national coach of the year. I, I, I don't know how, I don't know, want to know how, because it just seems impossible. Uh, so to come out on top uh, and be the national coach of the year for the girls, man, that's a, that's a big deal. Did you expect this at all? Like, were you like, oh yeah, this is the year? No, I, I was clueless. Um, and I, I, I still am. You know, I, I'm truly honored, like you say, um, to for my name to be among some of the names that have already been previously awarded. Um, I, I'm just truly, truly honored. I'm, I'm still kind of pinching myself because, um, you know, I, I, I'm, I'm pretty humble and I, I, I have an amazing staff. I have an amazing team. Um, we weathered, uh, you know, a major storm during COVID to mm. keep our culture and, 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 you know, I attribute a lot, you know, not just from this past year or so, but, you know, from COVID on that we, uh, we, we, we became a different team. We, 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 we handled those, um, you know, challenges that, that, that the pandemic gave to everyone. Um, I just think that we, we were able to recreate a, a culture that that gave us um, a more dominant program. I love it. Well, again, we're going to pause right there. Let's take a step back and let's learn more about you. Uh, track obviously plays a role in your life. I don't know how many track coaches are out there that track isn't a big part of their life. Where does track coaching start for you, Desmond? And what I mean by that is, you know, assuming you are an athlete, at some point in your mind, it had to switch coaching from something that's done to you a coach tells you to go run x or if you played football told you to go run this play and somewhere it had to switch and be like oh wait a minute like i could i could do this like this could be my career i could be the coach where does coaching as a lifestyle and a, and a profession start occurring for you yeah so um i want to first just back up a little bit more my high school track and cross country coach was my life mentor and he was a father figure to me and so um, it was when I first went out for cross country in high school, I only went out because I wanted to join the basketball team. And uh -huh. you, had to, you had to either uh, run cross country or play football. I was 128 pounds. I wasn't about to hop on anyone's pitch to play football. And so, um, so yeah, you know, it's it's interesting. I end up writing a book about this story. It, it chronicles my childhood, my college days, and also some pinnacle coaching moments. But um, and during my childhood, I was always cut from 
from, from my school teams. I was cut from three basketball teams, twice in elementary school, once in middle school. I was even cut uh, from my middle school cross country team, <laughs> which everyone gives that. Yeah, yeah, it's like, hold, hold up, man. <laughs> yeah, but we had a ton of guys who came out for the team. And, um, and then it was my freshman year running cross country. It just taught me so much more about myself. Um, it, it, it was also an outlet for me. I grew up in Gary, Indiana. And yeah, so during yeah. that time, that's why I know Chicago. Yeah. Really and um, but during that time, it was the homicide capital of mm. the U.S. And and, um, and and so it was it was a really nice outlet for me. And again, I, I dealt with some things with my dad, who was an alcoholic. And mm. so my my high school track coach became this major figure in my life. So park that move forward i end up attending howard university on a track oh. and cross-country scholarship yeah and uh very fortunate to move out here to dc and when my mother dropped me off she says look this is your shot you're not coming back home so i knew i had to make it work um so i just got embedded in the community when i was at howard tutorial mentorship program i started and a buddy of mine ended up saying hey we need a little uh, help with a local track team. And I was just falling in love working in the community. And I was also uh, destined to go to medical school. Um, I was um, finished my undergrad in exercise physiology. I was still taking prerequisites. So I started working on my master's degree in nutritional science, but taking pre-med courses wow. yeah, by, 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 um, uh, biomedical research at IUPUI, and it go, the list goes on. And I was finally about to do a medical program at IUPUI, and I started teaching and, and coaching, and I just kept getting more embedded in the community. Hmm. And I'll never forget that my team actually did a going away celebration for me. I mean, I'm tears are pouring everywhere. I'm giving hugs and I mean, they're giving gifts. And I mean, I just absolutely love this feeling mm. of changing um, and, and having such an impressionable, uh, um, 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 just an impressionable, um, giving these kids an impressionable experience, mm -hmm. shaping and molding their, their livelihoods. And so I ended up deferring a year and I said, well, let me just, stay in it a little bit longer. Um, I also met a young lady who is now my wife. <laughs> so that was also a little bit part of the picture. Oh, yeah. And, yeah. <laughs> and so I was teaching physics and chemistry at a local uh, uh, local high school, um, Archbishop Carroll High School, mm -hmm. um, teaching physical science. And um, after that year of teaching physical science and coaching another year, I had a conversation with my mother and I said, listen, I know you want me to be a doctor one day, um, but my heart is really into mm -hmm. teaching, coaching, educating, being a mentor. And this is where this connects with my high school track coach and cross country coach chief, who somebody I wanted to be like, I wanted to emulate him. I wanted to do what he did for me for others. And, um, and so 
I was really shocked, but my mother said, listen, whatever you do, I want you to be happy and I want you to be the best at whatever you do. And my mother is someone who used to work 24 to 28 hour shifts mm -hmm. to make sure that my sister and I had opportunities. So when she gave me the green light on it, I mean, there was no looking back. I wanted wow. to be the best and being the best meant that I wanted to touch as many lives as possible in a positive way. And I haven't looked back since I'm, I'm 25 years in now and I'm still loving every bit of it. What a good mom. I mean, yeah. everybody wants their kid to be a lawyer, a doc, you right, know, the right. stereotypical <laughs> things, right? For mom to say, you know what? It's not about, I didn't want you to be a doctor. I wanted you to be happy. And I wanted yeah. you to contribute. Yeah. So if that's playing tiddlywinks or being a doctor or being a track coach. Yeah, I love that you were on that path and you diverted, thank goodness for the track community, you diverted to track because, you know, I, I, I 100% wholeheartedly believe like track coaches, specifically track, coach, not just coaches. Now track coaches are some of the most intelligent, versatile people in this world, smartest people in this world. And I always say like, sometimes I'll, I'll kind of jokingly say to someone that's a coach and I'm like, you know, you could have done anything in this world. And I mean, cure cancer, uh, go to the moon, like, you know, whatever you think is like the most brilliant things in the world you could. And instead you chose to be a track coach. <laughs> like, you know, it's like, I, I love track coaches, but you could have, you know, done right, some right. amazing <laughs> things. So I love that you were on that path. And then this track bug just bit you and, and kept you in. So we, we got to do two things real quick here though. So one, we love shout outs. We almost named the podcast, the Gil shout out podcast. Uh, we need to know the name of this, just such an influential track coach for you. And then we got to know more about this book. I, I tried to write a book and you know, I'm from Alabama, so I barely got two words out and was like, I'm over. Uh, tell us the name of the track coach and tell us the name of this book. Uh, track coach Roosevelt Pulliam. We called him chief. And I mean, he just demanded us uh, such um, um, uh, respect and admiration and just would give anything for his athletes. And so uh, Chief uh, Roosevelt Pulliam, um, and he's still in Gary, Indiana. He's retired um, from yeah. coaching. Well, what's, um, what school in, in, in Gary? Uh, he was at Gary Horseman. Yeah, yeah. Okay. I, I used to coach at Ball State University. So recruited a lot of Gary and of course, another side, very, Fort Wayne. Very familiar yeah, yeah. with uh, Roosevelt. <laughs> yeah, that's what I was waiting for. I was like, he's going to say Roosevelt. There's no oh, way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Well, that was our nemesis. And yeah. we did, we did um, uh, have success um, with beating Roosevelt while I was um, at Horseman. And yeah. um, I ran with some amazing guys. I ran with um, a young man, Anthony Williams, who was the first African-American uh, 5K state champion in the country. Um, I'll never forget when he received this letter from Ronald Reagan congratulating him. Um, and then I ran with another teammate who was a three-time one-mile state champion, Eric Smoot. Um, sorry about this, but he went to Purdue. And, um, <laughs> hey, but, I'm from Alabama. I, I okay. love and hate everybody. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. So, um, I mean, so that, that was the type of company that I had yeah. at a co-ed school with 800 runners um, that this, I had a guy who won the state mile three times in a row. Yeah. Um, you know, his fastest time was 410, 411. Yeah, I was gonna say in Indiana. I mean, that's in a Indiana, tough yeah, right. place tough, for tough. high school track yeah. and field. Yeah. Well, you, you mentioned Howard University. We're gonna get to the book here in a second. Yeah. Uh, I love Howard because when you say Howard, I think of two things. One is one of my favorite 
hurdlers in the whole world, David Oliver, you know, oh, who man. went to David, Howard. David he, is amazing. He's amazing. Yeah. <laughs> and now he is just transformational with Howard's program. Howard's had a great tradition of yeah, track yeah. and field and cross country. He's killing and it. <laughs> he's killing it. Like I'm so proud and happy for him. And then two, one of my favorite shows in the world, uh, my wife and I are re-binging it. I, I binged it all now. We're re-binging it is blackish. And so yeah. when you say yeah. Howard, I think of you know Dre Johnson, the lead character, because he's you know, oh, so yeah. proud of his Howard roots, man. I just like, yeah. as soon as you said, I was like, oh, Dre, yeah, that's where Dre went to school. No doubt about it. Yeah. Uh, but, but DC is different than Gary. Now, Gary has some city aspects to it because you're really adjacent to Chicago, but you're still in that Northwest Indiana farmland rural area. DC, I don't, I've never been there. So this is all off of TV shows. Uh, but DC is city through and through. I did have a good friend go to, uh, it's Georgetown that's in DC, right? Yes, and correct. he was like, oh yeah, it's concrete. There's no, yeah, right. stuff like that. So how did you like, why Howard? You, I assume you had other choice. I mean, if you got into Howard, you had other choices. Uh, it wasn't like your, you know, your safety is the only school you could get into. You, yeah, it's yeah. not easy to get into Howard, uh, very academic there. So why Howard versus maybe some other options? Yeah, so um, I didn't have a whole lot of options, but um, but I do want to say that, um, again, Chief played a major role. He said, hey, you're not going to the Olympics. And I'm like, wait, what? You know? <laughs> but, so, but, so wait, so Chief kept it real. Oh, he kept it real. And, and you know, and I'm that way as a coach as well, that um, this, this is not about, you know, this is not about you uh, trying to have a professional career in running. It's more about life. And he felt like Howard was going to give me just a well-rounded experience. And so he taught us how to use running as a vehicle to, um, to and, a, and a platform to, to open up more doors for ourselves. And so he pretty much told me I was going to Howard. <laughs> and, um, and, you know, Chief is, uh, he's big, he's burly, he's, uh, I, you, you don't you don't really uh, go against cheap, so yes, sir. <laughs> right, yeah, yes, sir. <laughs> Sounded good, and I was so excited that that um, I made that decision. I'll say that obviously worked out, right? Yeah, spoiler alert, it worked, alert, out. It worked, it worked out, right? It worked. So, yeah. <laughs> so tell, tell us about this book. I, I actually did write a book. I, I self published a book about my transition from collegiate track and field to professional poker playing. So I actually was a professional poker player before I came to Gill. Uh, it was in the heyday of poker when everybody thought they could do it. Wow. I was one of those wow. guys that thought they could do it. And so just kind of wrote a book. I, I was kind of on the early side, you know, now with um, YouTube bloggers and yeah. stuff like that. I was on the early side. I blogged my, uh, you know, it was all written blog, uh, my transition from being in the SEC at Mississippi wow. State to moving to Vegas and then my time at Vegas. And so I kind of wrote a book almost as a... Um, more of like a, Hey guys, don't do that. Don't go pro and poke. Like, it's not what you think it is. Yeah, like yeah. There, there's a way better life. Even if you're sitting behind a desk eight hours a day, it's it's way better than playing cards for a living. But, um, but, but what I, I say that all to say that, you know, writing a book is not easy, whether you know that subject in and out, whether it's about yeah. your own life, which yeah. you, you yeah. know more about that than anybody, it's still hard to actually take all the things that are in your head and make them coherent on the paper. Tell us about this book and why, because I mean, that's that you don't just decide on a whim to write a book and do it in a day. It takes maybe years to really get it done and done right. Tell us about this. Yeah. So um, I, I'll never forget a little bit over a decade ago, uh, I was finishing up. I had given a great motivational speech to my team. And, and a lot of times I would give these motivational speeches. I would, talk about some of the obstacles and 
some of the uh, adversity that I also faced. I always, you know, gave inspirational talks and and, and speeches that were re relatable to um, my students, my athletes, and and I'll you know never forget this one time, particular time I finished and I had given a great uh, a speech at the end of a practice, and then I had a young lady who stayed after the practice and. She was, you know, super pumped and, and inspired. And she says, you know, Coach Dunham, one day you have to write a book. And that always stuck with me that, and, you know, because what she was saying was that people need to hear, you know, your story. People need to um, people need to be motivated. They need to feel like they're not alone. Mm -hmm. And I think I do a great job with that, with my athletes, letting them know, look, you're not the only one going through this, you know? And, 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 and so a lot of times I'm super vulnerable telling these stories to them. And, um, so I, I, you know, remember telling my wife at one point, um, I, I, I would love to write a book and she thought it would be a great idea. Until I started writing it, Wait, did, did she did she think it was a great idea? She's like, yeah, yeah, go ahead, Desmond. He'll right, right, right. Yeah, yeah. yeah, go, 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 go. Yeah, yeah. This will keep you busy on the weekends. That's great. Right, right. <laughs> exactly. You know how it goes. <laughs> I've been married for fourteen years, baby. I know it. <laughs> yep, yep. <laughs> so yeah, so then the pandemic hit, and um, we we have two you know lovely kids who are also soccer players. They both are in high school, and we were always challenging them on, you know, having a project, having something to work on. Right. And at the beginning of the pandemic, they said, well, what is your, what is your project? You know, they called, they called me out. They flipped it to they, you. They flipped it to me. And so this, this book here became my pandemic project running against the odds. And it took me 18, I thought it was going to take about eight months. It took me 18 months. <laughs> but one of the things that I share in the book is um, that in elementary school, I was um, diagnosed with a speech impediment. I had a speech impediment where I was going to speech therapy. Really? Um, I also um, have dyslexia. Um, so yeah. So Wait a minute, you ain't supposed to write a book. Hold on. Right, <laughs> just right, just right, those two yeah. strikes right there. <laughs> right. Wow. Yep. And, um, and so... It was something that I've always wanted to accomplish. It, it was, you know, anytime I've had any adversity or fear, it was something that has been embedded in me, um, being from Gary and all the other things I've seen and feeling just super blessed that I wanted to also accomplish this for myself. Mm -hmm. I wanted to leave a legacy for my, you know, my, my, my family and mm -hmm. I also wanted to lead by example with my own kids. And so, I mean, I've done, this book is dedicated to so many people uh, for so many reasons, um, not particularly one, but, um, but yeah, 18 months, uh, it was, it was arduous. It was, you know, it was a laborious task where um, I was up five, 6 a.m. You, you know, the deal um, you, you, and um, sun is coming up and I'm still up writing and after the kids had gone down. And so I'm, I'm super happy. It was an Amazon number one new release. Wow. And 
Um, and it's still it's still getting a lot of traction, lot, lots of traction. So is it autobiographical? Is it kind of oh, your yeah. growing up and, you know, the family situation? You mentioned your dad and obviously yeah. a strong mom figure there. And I assume possibly other family and friends that help. You know, I, I'm a big believer in that it takes the village type of thing. So there are other people that poured into you all the way through Howard and then yeah. even through your coaching stops and medical and not medical school and all that kind of stuff. Yes. So I'm capturing from. It chronicles my childhood, college days, and then up to a pinnacle coaching moment up to 2007. And so it's a memoir, and um, and I'm and I'm talking about all these challenges in my because I, I want people to know um, again they're not alone when they go through things. They can use adversity as a as a springboard to allow them to push themselves in into other directions in life and and really define who they are. Mm -hmm. um, and so super important I share that. And, and also it just shares my DNA. How, how did I become so competitive? How did I, you know, become so passionate about the things that I do? And I don't sleep much. You know, my <laughs> family, my athletes are always on me about it because I'm always thinking about what is the next thing I can do or accomplish or how can I, how can, how, how can I give my team an edge um, to become more competitive, better, have more opportunities from track and field or cross country. And so my, my, my <laughs> wheels are always turning. So, so who is the book for, and, and before you answer that, you know, like I'm a, I'm a track geek, right? I mean, my yeah. whole life, you know, I ran it and coached it and now I, you know, I live it, you know, 24 seven here at Gill athletics. But if I go into, and this is going to be old school. If I go into a Barnes and Noble uh, and I look at the running section, you know, a third of those are, I'm not their customer, right? The marathon trainers, the uh, even, you know, great people who, you know, I, I would consider uh, peers, at least I won't say friends, but like a Jim Spivey who, you know, I think he's a yeah. great guy. I love him. Yeah. I see him at shows all the time. I'm not reading his book. I'm just not a 5k <laughs> kind of guy, you know? Uh, so not every book is for everybody. In fact, I, I would imagine you probably got counsel as you're going into the books process. Uh, if you try to write the book for everybody, you write the book for nobody. Right. So who is your target on? Who should be something, you know, there's thousands of people that will listen to this episode here. Half of them are not the person, but half of them are like, who should I get this book? Who is this book for? Who's their, your target? Like, you know what, if you're this type of person, here's the, the book for you because X, Y, Z. You hit a spot on Mike. Yeah, you try to write it for everyone and you lose <laughs> everyone. <laughs> and so, yeah, the book is written for upper middle school as well as high school um, age students, um, athletes. Um, I use running a lot, but running is used quite a bit in the book from a metaphorical standpoint. So it's applicable to anyone who's even not a runner. Um, I've also done a teacher's guide with the book. Uh, that's what I was um, wondering. Yeah. So yeah. So I'm I'm starting to get this book embedded into curriculums. Uh, recommended for summer reading. Yeah. Um, I just finished the Spanish translation. Um, and then my wife and I are now working on an adaptation to the book, um, which is going to be um, a fiction based on a true story. And that's going to be the big one. That's the one we hope to see part three of the book, the pin relay story, mm. you know, on, on Disney, Netflix, um, the big screen. Mm -hmm. So we're, we're going for it. And, um, and we're, we're getting a lot of great traction as a result of it. 
Well, if you don't, it's never going to happen. Like I can guarantee you it won't happen. <laughs> right, so, right. I mean, yeah. <laughs> like, like none of those things kind of scare me. Like when I hear, you know, young people uh, who maybe don't have the marks that you, you know, that are typically situated for a D1 and then Olympics, right. but they say, Hey, I want to go to the Olympics. I'm like, I don't know. Maybe you can. I, I know of plenty of people who went to Olympics who did not go D1 because they didn't have the marks and they went to great schools at D2, D3 yeah. and AI. And yeah. because of maturation and kept yep. at it, they yep. did it. I can only guarantee you that if you don't try, you ain't getting it. <laughs> that's the only guarantee yeah, I can yeah. give you. Yeah, that's awesome, man. I love that. So running against the odds. And I'm assuming you mentioned Amazon bestseller. So uh, I can get it on Amazon and wherever else people buy books. Now. I, I don't know. I don't yeah. know where else you buy. Barnes and Nobles. Barnes yeah. and Nobles, politics and prose. I mean, it's, it's, it's out there. Yeah. Well, what is that? Politics? That sounds like a DC thing. Well, you know what? That, that's a DC. Yeah, yeah that's what I was saying. Okay. okay. All right. Okay. Like, yeah. As soon as you said that, I was like, well, that sounds. It's pretty big here in the DMV. Yeah, yeah. That makes sense. That makes sense. Okay. So let's work through your progression. You go to Howard. Uh, if I got it right, you came back and you were uh, teaching and working at uh, in the IUPUI area. So, I mean, literally, I throw oh, a stone. I, I, did, I just did a biomedical research. It was a summer. That's what program. it was. Okay. Yeah, got it. Got it. Two summers. Yeah. So where was the first coaching job? Like the actual, like, okay, I'm not going to medical school. So I'm going to go into coaching. What, what was the first step? So I had already, you know, so I was volunteered uh, St. Gabriel's Catholic school and then I started teaching at Archbishop Carroll High School. That's where I taught mm -hmm. physical sciences. And then uh, they, at the time, they I, I coached their cross country team, but they didn't didn't need any help with their um, track and field team. So I was pretty discouraged. So I went looking for another school. So I started a track and field club. I was coaching at St. Gabriel's. And I was coaching at a local elementary school, Clark Elementary. So wow. I, I was coaching three teams at one time. Mm -hmm. And that was kind of the foundation. And, and I'm so excited that I went that route because being able to coach on the elementary school level um, really uh, had me to hunker down on fundamentals, hmm. um, a lot of biomechanics, um, how to make running fun. Um, and so there, those are a lot of things that that I'm able to carry up the ladder with me. And mm -hmm. so I was so fortunate where then I started coaching more middle school, then it became high school. And that's where I ended up going to Eleanor Roosevelt in Greenbelt, Maryland, where we mm -hmm. ended up making American history at Penn Relays. I was going to say, that's a big school. Like, I know that name for track yeah, and field. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay. Yes, so yes. What, what was this history? Tell us more about that. Um, and so um, we we won two pen, pennies, which is the, the pin relay um, wheel. Uh, we, we beat the Jamaicans um, in a nail-biting race, um, four by eight. And where there's a photo finish, lean at the line. Races going back and forth the entire time. Um, the stadium's on their feet. One side of the stadium is, you know, plastered with the Jamaican spectators. They're blowing the whistles, waving the flags. Yeah. Um, you got, they're saying Jamaica. And the other side is USA. And so at one point, you really thought that they had put the race away. Um, and until about the last hundred meters, they had about 30 meters on us. And we had a young lady by the name of Tasha Stanley, who went on, went on to uh, run for UNC. Yeah. And, yeah. Yeah. Okay. And so she, you know, just kind of put her head down coming off the turn. Wow. 
um, the Jamaican, you know, runner, she had popped her clutch and she was really, <laughs> <laughs> she was really struggling to get, to bring it home. And there was a lean at the line and, you know, and, and what's, what's amazing is that they had two young ladies on that team that ended up representing their country wow. um, in the next Olympics um, or world-class competition. I mean, mm -hmm. these, it was a star-studded field. Um, and so nail-biter race, lean at the line, um, and we came out wow. four hundredths of a second on top. And then we ran 339 to win the four by four in the pouring down rain. Wow. Um, and then we came back the next year and we actually broke the four by eight national record, which that still stands at 843. Holy so, cow. Yeah. Yeah. Who, so who was uh, Tasha on that team as well? So Tasha was on that team. Yeah. Yes. I remember UNC because she ran quite well even after UNC. Like she had a career. So I remember correctly. Yeah, yes. yeah, yeah. Wow. Yeah. Man. Are, are, are you, and we don't talk X's and O's in wow. regards to training and stuff, but you mentioned, and you know, if you see him on, on YouTube right now, you, you can't imagine this guy weighing 123 pounds. I, <laughs> I, I was fully expecting you to tell me you played football and you're obviously an athletic person. Uh, but 123 pounds ain't gonna get it done on any football team. I was, sure. I was a, yeah. yeah, I was a late bloomer. <laughs> so, so, did you were you a distance guy through and through? Like, and and yeah. is that kind of your primary coaching? Yeah. So, um, I was 800 up to 10k. Mm -hmm. Um, and right, <laughs> and and I was a late bloomer. So I I you know managed my weight pretty well um through uh, high school as well as college and then you know, decided to get more into basketball and weightlifting afterwards mm -hmm. and, mm -hmm. and, and that other number one sport eating. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. Well, actually, this yeah. begs the question, cause you said you started cross country so you can be on the basketball team and then you dropped the 123 pounds. Did you ever make the basketball team? Never made it. Okay. Never I was wondering, yeah. <laughs> first of all, I was waiting for you to give me like a Michael Jordan story of like, oh, I got yeah, it. Right. You know what? Senior year. <laughs> I was the only one uh, who thought uh, I was Michael Jordan. <laughs> no, <laughs> Like no one else saw it. No one else saw it. Yeah. You looked in the mirror and you're like, I'm like Mike. And everybody else was like, right. you were like Mike Cunningham. That's as right, close right. to Mike you go get. <laughs> <laughs> so you're at Illinois Roosevelt. That's a story. Like yeah. I know that program. I, I'm, it must've been during around that time. I remember seeing them at the, you know, in the track and field news magazines, leading the country in the different relays and such. And I probably remember Tasha's name as a high schooler. That's, that's quite amazing. Did you, is, is that where you were before St. John's or was there a stop in between? Yeah, it was a couple of stops in between. So um, I ended up uh, leaving Roosevelt and I still feel like I left there a year or two premature. Um, I had some still had some amazing athletes there, but uh, my wife and I, we had had um, our first child. Mm. Um, it was a 40 some minute commute um, one way. And then um, I got the offer to coach at the University of Maryland. And so, yeah, I was the head cross country coach at the University of Maryland yeah. um, for, well, I was volunteer coach for one year, then the head cross country coach for three years, assistant track coach yeah. um, as well. And so um, I, you know, thought that that's where I really wanted to be. Um, but you know, just with all the politics involved on the 
uh, collegiate level and just, you know, it, it has to be a great fit. Um, I, I, I really started missing um, some of the things I, I was able to do with my high school, you know, student athletes. Um, I was missing that, um, that connection to that impressionable um, age. Mm -hmm. um, I had some amazing athletes at the University of Maryland and still in contact with them to this day. But um, as a matter of fact, two of them are helping me to coach at this time. Um, so I don't regret that. Um, it was a great learning experience. But then I, I wanted to get back to high school and I wanted to have more wiggle room because, you know, I kind of consider myself a serial entrepreneur. And, and, and so having the summers off, having the breaks, the winter, I was a recruiting coordinator mm -hmm. on top of that. So it, it was a grind. And um, I started missing the events with my for my kids, mm -hmm. and it it wasn't really who I was. And um, so I got back grounded, got back to the high school, and then I started teaching and coaching in D.C. Um, at Woodrow Wilson High School, which is okay. now known as Jackson Reed High School. Okay. Okay. And then and then after six years there, moved over to St. John's College High School. You know, I'm glad you brought that up and I'm glad you had that experience. Uh, honestly, you know, in my 10 years of coaching, uh, it started on the high school level. And then, you know, I, yeah. I think I'm going to put a broad stroke here. I think like a lot of high school coaches, that may not be true. Uh, but as I was a high school coach, it was like, man, I want to coach in college. And, and I yeah. didn't even run in college. So it wasn't like it was right. some kind of like throwback to me, but it was just like, you know, you want to be better. So you you go to the supposedly better level, right? You go to, right, to college. Right. And then when you're in college, you're like, well, I better go from D3 to D2 and I better go D2 to D1 and all this kind of stuff, right? And I think back on my 10 years of coaching and you know, you you could tell my story as honestly, because the way you put it there is exactly how I put it. I had an amazing time, amazing people, amazing athletes. Uh, my time at Mississippi State with Al Schmidt as our head coach and oh, Steve yeah. Dudley, Keith Powell, um, Karen Rademeyer, Houston Franks, uh, you know, the coaching staff couldn't have been closer. I mean, Al Schmidt is still like a dad to me. I love this man. I mean, you know, he gave me my break, right? But when I look back, if someone were to say, hey, name the number one memory from all of your coaching, first of all, that's hard, but but there's a distinct one. When I coached high school in Chicago, I coached at De La Salle High School, mm. and we had this kid. This was 1994, so this is 25 years ago, and I've had amazing experiences since, since then, but this is the memory. I had a young freshman named Robert Threat. I, still, I never forget his name. Wow. He was terrible. He was wow. like a six minute miler. Okay. It was, it was, you know, when I say terrible, meaning, you know, no right, one's, right. no one's given awards to a six minute right, right. miler. Right. <laughs> and at the JV conference meet, he runs the mile and he runs under six minutes. He runs five fifty something. Oh man. Still came in last. The Catholic, the Catholic league was, you know, it was pretty good. I don't know if it still is, but it was pretty good back then in Chicago. And you would have thought he won the gold medal. Um, and I don't mean that by him. Like right. he was happy. His pants right. I was happy. We we're right. all hugging. Every, everyone's celebrating. Everyone <laughs> going nuts. And it's not like, I mean, we had a good kid. We had one kid, uh, actually two other freshmen. One um, ended up being a state champion in the triple jump. I think the other one went and became the starting defensive back for Georgia techs. I mean, we had some studs in this class wow. and everybody was acting like we won the gold medal. Wow. That kid, I, I love those stories. I love and, and I've worked with, you know, Trey Hardy, who went to the Olympics. I, I worked with him, Steve Mullins, uh, 
Marcus didn't, I mean, just, you know, wow. I've met, I've worked with the best of the best, you know, some of the best, Justin Gatlin is a dear friend of mine. I've, I've worked with him. I won't take any credit for him, but I, I've worked with him <laughs> and still Robert three is the number one memory, you know, college is different. And, and I hear it a lot from high school coaches. I used to teach level ones for USATF. And the number one question I'd get from high school coaches in the audience would be, hey, how do I coach college? And I'm like, why? Right, right. Why? <laughs> why? You, you, I know you're teachers. I'm not, I'm not going to bash that at all. But and I'll, and I'll say you get your summers off, but I know what that entails. It's not as off as we may think and all that kind of stuff. But, and I know teaching has its struggles, especially today. I, I get it. But do you want to be away from your house? 24 seven, go coach college. You're, right, you're every right. weekend you're recruiting every weekend. You're at a meet. Oh, man. Uh, you, it, there is no off time. It's, it's a grind. The, it's national, grind the, all the, the, time. the national meet is like, we call it June 15th. Guess what? Two weeks later happens the start of recruiting for the next class. So you're, you know, you, two weeks and then four or five weeks after that, the kids come back for cross country and try, it, it, it yeah. never, never, ever stopped. ends. I, I thought college coaches were going to wisen up here. Yeah. I'm talking to you college coaches <laughs> in COVID uh, because they canceled cross country because of COVID they moved the cross country nationals to March. And I thought, Ooh, they're going to wisen up. They're going to go, you know what? This is the right thing to do. Move yeah. it to March, do indoor and cross together. I know you got to make some difficult decisions. I get it. But guess what? The fall then, the fall is much more relaxed. You're not traveling as much. You're not recruiting as much. That that second part might not be true, but but you get a little bit of a break. I thought college coaches are like, you know what, boys? We have seen the light. Yeah, Let's yeah, get this yeah. permanent. And yeah. guess what? Yeah, uh, right, when, you're, right. when you're listening to this, it's the end yeah. of October. They're getting real close to They're in conference and regional mode right, right now. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We learned nothing <laughs> at all. Nothing at all. At all. At all, at all, at all. And, 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 it's, and it prevents uh, your athletes, your runners from over racing, which you know I think is a major issue 100%. In, in the American system. I mean, starting 100%. club track all the way through high school to college. I mean, it is, it is, you know, and, and I'm not a big believer necessarily that we as high school and college in America track and field need to exactly match up to the international scene because we're talking about a pretty small select number of athletes who even need yeah. to think about the international scene. But I believe internationally cross country is a winter into spring sport. I think like the world cross country uh, championships are like a February, March. I, I think I'm, I'm, I know distance people listening right. right now are yelling at me that I'm wrong, but, um, <laughs> but I think it's around that time. So it kind of matches up with what the actual, you know, international side of it is as well. So yeah, I, I, I was really excited. I was like, Oh man, this is going to be so good. And then, yeah, yeah no, we're, we're back. Oh. We're back. We're back. And, and still complaining about it, rightfully complaining, right, about right. It, but do something about it. So anyway, <laughs> I love that you had that experience because, uh, first of all, you, you now know, right. You, you're not sitting here, you know, 20 years coaching high school going, you know, maybe I could have been a college coach. Maybe I could have done pretty good. Now you're like, you know what? I did it. I was pretty yeah. good. And you know what? It just wasn't hey. for me and my family. Yeah, 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 exactly. Exactly. So uh, oh, another fun fact, um, I, one of those Roosevelt girls actually went to Mississippi state, uh, Dom Dominique Lockhart. Um, yeah, know, yeah. I know she led off uh, quite a bit on the DMR. Yeah, um, she had a great, great experience there. What year? What year is this roughly? So that would have been two thousand eight. 
Yeah. I, I, I was thinking, I remember that name after that. My last year was 05. I was okay. thinking, I was like, okay. oh yeah, because I yeah. Can still keep, you know, I'm, I'm kind of an unofficial Mississippi State alum because I just she ran, enjoy. She, she, she worked with Al. She worked yeah. with Houston. Yeah. Yeah. Great, great experience. And, and now the head coach is an 800 meter runner we had on our team. I coached him, Chris Woods. Now he's the head coach. It's oh. just, just tells me I'm old is what that really tells me is, you know, former athletes, now the head coach <laughs> not, there, but not at all. Love them, love them, love them. So what was, uh, what led to coming back to St. John's? You, you worked at now known as Jackson Reed High School, uh, yeah. and then you go to St. John's. What was the transition there? Was it about teaching you know, or, or yeah, what? Well, no, it was. Um, I got a little burnt out. Um, uh, Jackson Reed is in the public school system, and um, and so I was the the head coach. I was the operations and logistics coach <laughs> in person. Um, I did all the fundraising per season. Um, and it just became, I, I, I wasn't enjoying it as much. And I, again, I really enjoyed the kids. I really enjoyed, you know, working with my team. My parents were amazing, but um, I, I thought that I was actually done coaching for a while. Mm. And the, I finished and resigned um, after my six years. And then a couple of months later, um, I got a call from, the AD at St. John's. And I told him about my story. He said, well, let's just at least sit down and, and talk. And, and that one rule that I've always, you know, held on to is that if you have an opportunity to have an interview um, and have a, you know, conversation, you should at least, mm -hmm. you know, take the time to, 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 to take a look at things. And, and so as I'm telling him some of the things that really, you know, burned me out at Jackson Reed. Well, he's saying, well, you don't have to worry about that here. You don't have to worry about that here. You don't have to worry about that here. And then, um, and then I think, you know, at the end of the conversation, because I never, I don't want to say I wasn't a fan of private schools, but I, I, I love the public school system. Mm -hmm. And I love what the public school system did for me and my experiences. Um, just never saw myself coaching um, in the, the private sector, right. um, at this stage in my career. And, um, so we started having conversations about, you know, kids from low socioeconomic backgrounds to, um, you know, kids who look like me, kids who, um, when I was in high school, you know, could I have gotten into a St. John's and St. John's has done a really great job in terms of, having diversity within the school, mm -hmm. um, you know, kids from all walks of life, all, you know, financial backgrounds, mm -hmm. um, socioeconomic backgrounds and on. And I thought, man, this could be a really good fit. Um, another fun fact about the school is also um, where Kevin Plank, the founder and CEO of Under Armour. Oh, is that and right? So, um, so they they made it clear that we want to have a coach who um, who Wear, wants, wears Under Armour, who wears Under Armour, <laughs> and build an, a national level program. So, yep. <laughs> you know he's building a track right now. We're, we're uh, we actually are doing that track for Under Armour. They're building an outdoor facility. Uh, it's somewhere in Maryland. That's all I know, but I know it's close to. DC. Yep, in Baltimore. I'm yeah, very yeah. aware. I'm also an Under Armour coach and an ambassador. So 
I work uh, hand in hand with their run division as oh, well. Oh yeah, yeah. We probably so, talked to some of the same people when we were going yes. through the negotiations. Yeah, they they were good people. I've really quite enjoyed them. I'm excited for what they're building. They're building yeah. actually they're building something kind of unique, not just a I don't want to say not just a track because I think every track is very special, but uh, but something just unique as far as track and field is concerned for for their purposes for their athletes and uh, and their own testing and things like that. I'm I'm excited for them. I'm, I'm happy I'm that they're doing excited it as well. Yeah. So tell us about St. John's. Uh, it seemed like that was pretty important for you uh, in regards to your public attitude and their private desires. I don't know if I said that right, but you yeah, know yeah. what they're, but it was important to you to hear about, oh yeah, yeah, we have a, a diverse socioeconomic background, diverse uh, ethnic background, et cetera. Cause I, I would agree. I, you know, I grew up in small town, Alabama, uh, where in our city, we had the public school where I went to school and then across the way was the private school and boy, the two did not mix. I mean, it was, you know, <laughs> we, we didn't like those guys and they didn't like yeah, us. Right, there, right. Were, <laughs> there were a lot of reasons for that, that the, the, a lot of you, you mentioned, yeah. um, so uh, it's it's a co-ed school. Uh, you mentioned Kevin Plank and you're the girls head coach. I can infer that it's a public school. Or, I'm sorry, it's a um, um, uh, both gender school there. Yes, what yes. Um, like and I, and I coach boys and girls. Oh, you coach. OK, OK. Yeah. 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 Uh, like um, how many students are there? Is it nine through 12 or is it encompass everything? What tell us a little bit more about the school itself. So not nine through 12. Uh, we have about a. 1150 students oh wow um and almost 900 of those students play a sport so yeah wow it's a school where um a student athlete is is supported um with on a with a rigorous academic side but there's also the support on the athletic side what what do those other 200 jokers do Right, right, right. <laughs> well, I mean, we we have a robust uh, um, a number of extracurricular clubs. Uh-huh. And so I know we have a super competitive robotics club and and but you can do everything, including chess, you know, yeah. so um, there, there's something to do for everyone. N- none of those things could you do at my public school. And right, right. Robotics <laughs> team that laughed at you. Right, chess, right. Like, get out of the football field, man. Get out of here. Yeah, yeah. Right, right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, um, and then when I got there, um, yeah, the, the, the cross country team was homogenous team and, and, uh, you know, um, and, and the track team was homogenous, you know, it was all white cross country, all black track team for the mm-hmm. most part, mm-hmm. some sprinkles here and there. And I'm thinking, man, this, this team does not reflect the population of the school. Mm-hmm. And I'm proud mm-hmm. to say that we went from 20 some runners where each season we're knocking on a hundred to a hundred plus runners. So a good amount of the school is out running cross country, indoor, outdoor. So we'll see over 200 students, um, you know, and so it's, it's a, it's a, it's a double-edged sword um, (laughs) because I mean, that's that much more work that, (laughs) that we have to do to manage those types of numbers. But um, I, I mentioned my staff earlier. I mean, I have an amazing um, coaching staff. And so um, we're, we're, we're always working towards making sure we're meeting the needs of all of our student athletes. Um, so what, what are some of the, I want to say disadvantages, and maybe that's not the right word, some of the obstacles that you have to overcome? Because you mentioned, first of all, you mentioned that many kids. That That's yeah, tough, no, yeah. matter, no matter how big your staff right, is. Right, right. Uh, but again, and I'm just, you know, so uneducated about D.C., uh, when I think of a hundred, you know, 
uh, cross country type runners. I'm like, well, where do you run? I mean, I've been outside. I've been in the Maryland area, which is gorgeous. Yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, the tree, I mean, it's just gorgeous, yeah. but DC, I'm like, well, that's, that, it's all concrete. You know, that's got its own and it's very um, car driven. You know, the, uh, how, how do you, how do you handle some of those obstacles to actually get stuff done? Yeah. I mean, it, it, we, we, we do, we scour the area. Uh, we use, you know, local parks. We, we are fortunate where we do have Rock Creek Park next to us. Um, un- the unfortunate side of that is that most of the trails are asphalt. Mm. <laughs> and so, um, and it's a pretty hilly terrain. So we really have to monitor, minimize, you know, that type of pounding. Mm-hmm. Um, we, we, we do a lot of strength work, a lot of strength exercise. I've studied other programs, um, such as like Saratoga Springs, where mm-hmm. um, they're one of the more you know historic dominant mm-hmm. distance programs. They do most of their training on concrete, on pavement, and um, so I've, I've asked a lot of questions in terms of injury prevention, and I've learned a lot just throughout you know throughout the years. You know, making sure um, you know the, the footwear is where it should be, um, orthotics if need be. Um, the strength exercises and the shin area, mm-hmm. those those intrinsic muscles that needs to be um, stimulated on a you know daily or every other day basis. So l- little things where um, you know we, we have a lot of science involved with the why we do each and everything from the beginning of our practice with an objective all the way to the end of that practice making sure that we're meeting those objectives. And, and unfortunately, you know, you learn a lot when you fail. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, you know, that's where one of my advantages out of 25 years mm-hmm. of coaching, I've, I've failed a lot <laughs> miserably. <laughs> and so, um, but I've learned a lot. Um, I, I'm, I'm the type of coach where if we fall short of our goals, um, whatever those goals are, whether if they're individual or team goals, I look at myself in the mirror um, at the end of the season, I meet with my coaches and all I want to talk about is what could we have done better as coaches to position our team, to position our athletes. So, I mean, we move with a lot of intentionality um, for each and every practice. You know, we, we just don't go through those motions and so I think that's one of my huge advantages as a coach um, is that my art of working with kids, um, but also the science mm. of applying, making that applicable to, to them as well. I'm a big believer in coaching education. It changed my coaching career, coaching life, and really still affects me even today. And I don't coach at all anymore. Uh, and just how to teach and think and act and uh, the, the art of it. You know, I, I don't necessarily need the science of it anymore right. in the yeah. position I'm in now, but the art of how you coach people and, uh, and progress people, I think is extremely important. Uh, it, it made me think about when you're talking about you know, the things that you have to do in regards to like that park you talked about and like the paths are, are asphalted down. Um, you might mention it hilly and I think, well, you've got winters there. So you're not really doing maybe a lot of hill work out there in the winters when it's icy and cold, things like that. It, so it started making me think like when we do coaching education, I told you I taught level one for, for many, many years and did several level twos. We seem to do coaching education on an ideal basis. 
Like yeah. when we do a distance clinic, we talk about, oh, yeah, this many miles and this in the long run and this kind of repeats, go to the track, do this, then go find you a nice loop over here in the park. And it's like, yeah, how many people, have? some people, a good number don't have that. They don't have, there are plenty of track teams, successful track teams that don't have a track. We, we, we don't have a track. Yeah. Well, <laughs> bingo. Look, I didn't, I did not know. I did not set that up. Uh, but that's why I started thinking like, maybe there should be more coaching education and it doesn't have to be inside of level one and USTFCCA's uh, coaching academy. It could be, you know, in today's world, post-COVID world, right? There are tons of great, you know, paid Zoom opportunities for education and things like that. Maybe there needs to be more from, you mentioned Saratoga Springs, which I, I mean, I'm not a distance guy and I've heard yeah, of Saratoga. Right, right. Uh, and you're like, yeah, they do a lot of theirs on concrete. It's like, man, you know, they they need to, they need to. It'd be great for, for people like them and for you that have been successful on concrete yeah. to like give a seminar on that. Because there's someone in, uh, LA right now going, man, I want to build a great cross country team, but I, I don't have any paths or parks. Yeah, I, yeah, I, have not, yeah. I have nothing but concrete. And, <laughs> yep. you know, uh, this great coach at such and such is telling me I need to do mile loops on the grass and brother, I ain't got right, right. already <laughs> talk about mile loops, man. So it just made yeah. me start thinking about like stuff like that. And, and I segue in that to going, so, saying into what kind of coaching education do you and your staff have participated in maybe even still do? Wow. Um, that, I mean, clinics, the coaching education, professional development, I mean, that is just the backbone of, of my coaching uh, success. And, you know, you, you, you were mentioning, it's almost like we're in math, you, 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 you remember a formula. Mm. And, um, and I'll never forget this. I mean, I learned this early in geometry. And, um, I, you know that you got all these theorems and, and and postulates and 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 you you remember them and as soon as things kind of switch up on that test a bit you're like hey we didn't learn this <laughs> and it's the same thing you're saying in terms of uh, if someone has a different footing or different mm -hmm. um, um, venue or, or different type of space that what um, so someone may have previously talked about. Well, if you understand, you know, the, the, if you understand what you're attempting to accomplish, then you're gonna be able to manipulate things to your liking. You're gonna be able to manipulate things to um, what your athletes are about to experience. Mm. And so I wanna say that I have a really great firm understanding of developing energy systems. And again, what objective are we attempting to accomplish here? And how can we do that on this surface? Um, and so, I, you know, I, like you say, I think that's a course within itself mm -hmm. of making sure coaches understand um, how to develop certain aspects of training um, to get the body to adapt to those stressors um, and, and making sure that, um, that they can manipulate it in the sense of developing those necessary energy systems for the point of periodization uh, appropriately. Um, but when I first started my coaching career, I was using my last dollars mm -hmm. to attend coaching clinics. Um, and I'm very fortunate where my wife was super supportive of it. She thought I was nuts, but, um, 
but I, I, I make sure that I'm going to two to three clinics a year. Mm -hmm. um, I'll be at the National Conventions USA, mm -hmm. USTFCCCA, mm -hmm. um, National It hasn't been many conventions I have not made. Mm -hmm. um, my coaches, they are going to other clinics. They're listening to podcasts. Mm -hmm. um, they're, um, you know, just picking up all types of literature. And we have these discussions mm -hmm. about, um, you know, what's the latest and greatest. Um, because the one thing that I don't ever want to do as a coach is to say, well, I used to do this workout. So I'm going to give my team mm -hmm. this work. You know, it has to got to, it has to wash through the filter first. Mm -hmm. um, we might do the same workout, but it has to be a reason behind it. Right. And so, um, yeah, uh, having a firm understanding of what you want to accomplish and why um, you, you're going to be able to um, take a workout that someone gave you that's on grass and transfer that onto a track or transfer that onto a gravel, you know, uh, parking lot. I mean, wh whatever it is. And so my high school did not have a track and, and I saw how creative chief was and mm -hmm. And but he he understood our our sport, and he understood the science behind it. So um, we 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 challenge each other a lot with my staff, and and we always allow a little bit of intuition mm -hmm. and science to to dictate. Yeah, I like that word manipulation because you know the fear, uh, the problem that we sometimes have in clinics and camps and stuff is, you know, the speaker is doing the right thing, talking about, you know, the right energy systems or training, whatever. And they give an example workout. And yeah. then some of us take that because they're like, Oh, well, that's the workout I'll do. Yeah. And it's like, Oh right. no, no. But, but when you use that word manipulate, it's like, Oh no, no. Manipulate that workout to your, like you yeah. got to have some thinking in here, yeah. not just cookie cutter, take what I did and go. Cause it, it might not work. It probably isn't going to work out for you because it worked for, yeah. for my set of kids and our circumstances. So I, I like that word of like manipulating, yeah. they learn, but then learn how to take that into your uh, specific situation. So let's start leading up here to the 2022 season where you were the national coach of the year. I have to imagine you correct me, but I have to imagine my experience has been that these guys and gals that are winning these national awards, it's not typically the one season, obviously the one season 2022 right. for you was big, but it doesn't happen in its in a bubble, right? So I have to imagine 2021 is what led up to 2022 and 2020 led into 21, et cetera. Build us up to this amazing season that you had this year. How did it kind of crescendo into this, uh, you know, really amazing honor? Yeah, so I, I kind of mentioned earlier about the pandemic, um, that that was a huge struggle. Uh, we really felt like we came together um, during that time, um, it was a tough time for a lot of our, you know, athletes. It was a very tough time for even myself and some of our coaching staff. But we felt like we really rallied together. I mean, we had several virtual meetings. We would have keynote speakers um, to come in. So we, we, we felt like we were doing a gr great job just staying afloat. Um, we felt like um, you saw this in the business world where, I mean, there was a lot of businesses that crashed, obviously, and and um, and there were just some that couldn't keep the momentum going. And those are things that we always talked about. Hey, we know it's tough. You know, we, we, we embraced it. Um, um, just um, um, 
we, we talked about this, it, it was, I think it's called the Stockdale Principle, um, or uh, where um, uh, there was a prisoner of war and the prisoner of war, those who do the best as being a prisoner of war is not the prisoner who thinks that they're gonna be released the next day, but it's the prisoner who knows that as someday I will be released, but it's probably not going to be tomorrow. Mm -hmm. um, and it's just, I have to just bite down hard and, and endure whatever's going to come and embrace that. And it gives you just more of a taste of reality. It also doesn't drive you crazy because mm -hmm. um, when that next day comes and you're not released. And, and that's kind of, you know, um, was, was that your attitude during COVID? Like when you're saying that, and I, and I hate to yeah. put prison in prisoners versus COVID, yeah. although yeah. there were probably a lot of similarities, it did feel like it never. And it was that kind of you guys' attitude during COVID yeah. is like, Hey, we don't know when this is going to, we don't, it's probably not tomorrow, but we don't know if we're going to get a track season this upcoming spring, et cetera. Was that kind of your mantra for the, the team and the staff? Yeah. So, and, 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 and I'm with you too on that too, Mike, where I definitely don't want to um, make the correlation that, that right, any, right. that those two are nowhere near the same. Right. Um, but I think what it was at the beginning of the pandemic, we thought it was going, we, we, we all thought it was going to be something, Hey, we're going to, you know, we got the best scientists in the mm -hmm. world. We're going to mm -hmm. figure this out. Right. Um, we're going to just hunker down for, you know, two, three weeks. Mm -hmm. And we were so yeah, naive. Yeah, we were so naive. <laughs> and I think that when it really hit us, you know, um, that this is a lot more serious. I mean, then you could just see the, the emotional tanks the just began to get depleted. And I'm thinking, you know, man, my emotional tank is being, you know, I, I also run summer camps and I had, um, you know, I had almost a thousand summer campers <laughs> ready for um, summer camp coming up. And so I'm, I'm balancing, you know, what's happening with my own family right. um, and trying to decide, you know, do we keep this summer camp going and do we refinance our house? And I mean, it was it was a lot. And so um, but when I would get on these sessions with my team, I'm man, I'm like, man, I got to find this energy. I got to bring it. And so um, I, I vividly remember those days and and then having to call athletes because they just didn't look like themselves when we were meeting and they didn't have that, you know, that same spirit about themselves. So, I mean, I really, you know, look at how we weathered the storm together. We really leaned on one another. Um, and then that's what gave us this, um, you know, this tighter bond. Um, we, we lost a little bit of our culture, but, um, but it was still enough there to piece it back. Hmm. And then we just started building from there. And, you know, we, we also um, have a lot of pride in the fact that we have a very comprehensive program. So, I mean, we're, we're, we're solid in the throws, we're solid in the jumps, you know, distance team, uh, sprint team, and we're, we're going to rally for each other, you know, um, and hurdlers. Uh, we, we're going to make sure that 
that the throwers don't feel like they're on an island um, and that the jumpers are, you know, um, not being supported by the distance runners. So we did a lot of family and team building. Hmm. You know, at the end of our huddles each day, we say one, two, three, SJC, representing the school, four, five, six, family. Hmm. And I would always say, look, we're not going to be saying family because it sounds pretty, hmm. because it sounds nice. Hmm. To develop any relationship and to have a strong relationship, it has to be intentional. I mean, you and I both know, you mentioned you've been married 14 years mm -hmm. yeah. <laughs> and I've been married for 20 years. And, um, and I talk about that, you know, we, my wife and I, we have to be intentional Amen. about you know, moving forward and, and developing our relationship and working through adversity. And when you have everyone who's on board with that, then you, you're going to, you're going to have a strong mm -hmm. reunion. And so we, we, when the pandemic was over, we spent a lot of time doing uh, team activities. So I also, again, lead by example, where when we say family, and I want you running for your brother or running for your sister, that we've done the bowling nights, the movie nights, the karaoke nights, we open up with social emotional learning um, interactions with one another, whether I ask them questions or I give them, you know, a pitch and they have to meet different teammates and they always have to meet teammates that they don't have a conversation with. Mm. And then when it gets to the point where they've spoken to everyone, all right, who have you not spoken to in the past week? So just finding nifty and crafty things that our young folks can appreciate. So when they walk into our practice, they know it's not all about running. Mm. They, they know that they're seen as a person that they get a chance to get some of those emotions out. You know, one of my favorite is, you know, tell a teammate how you're feeling today and use a, a weather forecast to describe how you're feeling. And, really? Yeah. And so, I mean, those are like little things, you know, um, what is your biggest fear? Um, and so uh, they, they're meeting each other. They're learning about each other, but they're also learning about themselves too. Yeah. yeah. And um and so we really pride ourselves on that, that type of intentionality. So when those races are coming down to the wire, or we need someone to even run the four by four, you know, I, I get it, you know, and, and it's a lot of jokes around, you know, that uh, you can't find anyone and, and people go hiding in the woods and wherever, you know, not our team It's you know, coach, I mean, we need this, they need this. You know, what can I do to help? So we, we, we're, we're working hard to develop servant leaders um, because, I mean, part of the reason that we struggle in life and society and in this world is because we're really taught about me, me, me instead of about we. And um, on the back of our shirts, you, you see uh, a we and you see the greater sign mm. and then you see me. And, you know, it's all about teaching teamwork so later on it translates into community and society i always wonder you know I, we focus on track coaches for obvious reasons i wonder if it's harder on the track side with track coaches and our athletes to convey that 
sentiment and that truth, right? That we is greater than me that because we're such an individual sport, right? You still have the hundred meter dash. You still got to run it. And the shot putter is not going to help you run that, that hundred and vice versa versus the football team where it's like, man, you know, if that offensive line doesn't operate, it don't matter how good your running back is. And your quarterbacks, uh, you know, could be all class. And if the receivers can't catch it, don't, it don't matter, you know? So I always wonder like uh, one of these days I'm going to do an episode where we have, you know, other sports, football, basketball, baseball, or something, volleyball and softball here and talk to them about like, here's some things that struggle on the track side. What, how do you get, you know, is that, you know, I, I, I kind of imagine, cause we're dealing with, especially on the high school level, 14 to 18 year olds, I kind of imagine they all struggle with it in some form or fashion. Yeah, to yeah, be real yes, frank. Yes. So what talk to us about this year in 2022, uh, that led to this award. Cause, uh, I'm assuming you didn't get ninth at state. You won state. Uh, do, do we call it state at DC? Well, we, yeah, we, we call it state. Okay. All right. I was, I was, I was just wondering. Yeah. yeah. Uh, <laughs> but put all your politics aside to whether it should be our state or not. Right, right. <laughs> it probably should. Uh, right, but right. <laughs> it's just weird that it's not in my mind. Um, I think it's not a state because it would be weird to go from 50 to 51. It's not an even number. I think that's literally everybody's psychologically hang up. Same with Puerto Rico. We should just do two at the same time right. and it'll be 52. Yeah. We'll figure out the flag people. We'll figure out how to throw two more stars in there. Does that, I mean, come on now, let's, let's make it happen. Okay. That's as far into politics as I'll ever wade onto this, uh, to this podcast here. But so talk to us about state. First of all, um, yeah, let's do this first. Cause I love having high school coaches from different States to talk about how you actually qualify for the state meet. Cause it's different in every state. Yeah. I, I just love the differences. So how, what is the actual process regionals areas top two talk, talk to us about how does it occur in DC? How did you get kids to the state meet? Yeah. So we, it's, it's, it's an easy process. Um, you just have to register for it. Okay. Um, yeah. Wow. <laughs> Sign me. I could actually make the right. state meet yeah. one day. Awesome. <laughs> so the, 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 the great thing is, I mean, it's a seated meet. Um, and most teams have a conference and then you, you come and have a second championships for the DC state meet. And what's really neat about the DC state meet is that charter schools, public schools and private schools, can all compete at this one meet. Mm. So the, the issue beforehand would be that there you got your private school teams, you got your public school, you got your charter school. Well, they all have leagues of their own. Mm. So we initially had that discussion about having, um, you know, the um, qualifying rounds, mm -hmm. but it just didn't make sense. And, and, I'm, I'm big into making sure athletes don't over race. So mm. we came up with the system. I mean, it is highly competitive. Um, and you're, you're looking at some of the top runners in the country, you know, coming out of DC. So um, it, it was, it was um, um, just, it's always a great opportunity to get uh, schools from all backgrounds and no, because you have some states that only allow public schools to mm -hmm. run into state meet, and then you have some private school championships, but this is one where we can all come together. So, so it's kind of, and I don't mean this as a slight, right. so yeah. it, it's kind of like an invitational. Invitational. Yeah, yeah, okay. Yeah. And I mean that as no slight meaning like great invitationals yeah. out there. And, and that must be what works for D.C. I mean, D.C. is yes. different than Texas and Kansas and Illinois, so you have to yeah. do what, what works there. That's cool. I love it. Okay, so tell me about this year then. What happened? How did states go? And 
what what led to this award? Yeah, so um, our, our girls were were super dominant um, at the state championship. Um, we won it by over a hundred points. Um, yeah, wow. um, we, we swept several events. Uh, we we broke state records in the four by one, four by two. Uh, we had a distance gal who broke state records in the 1600, 3200. Wow. Um, we swept the 100. We swept the 400. Um, when so, you say swept, you're saying one, two, three, or are you one, saying two, three? One, okay. Two, three. Yeah. Did, do you score six or eight? Uh, we score eight. Yeah, you do score eight. Okay. When you said sweep, I was like, man, if he's about to tell me they went all eight, oh, that's a. Yeah, yeah, no, 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 no. Yeah, okay, one, okay. one, two, three. Um, and then, one, you know, Okay. Then yeah, we went on. Um, we we had um, a couple of teams that won national titles, four by two hundred indoors for the girls. Our boys shuttle hurdle won um, the best so, event. Yeah, right, right. <laughs> I know you can appreciate that. Um, so we we were just um, we we were hitting national marks, and um, and we I think we scored about two hundred and twelve points. It was the most that ever scored. Um, the next team was 70 some points. So, yeah. you know, track is, is unique in the sense of if you, w- when is the state meet is it end of mid of May or is it end of June? End of May. End yes. of May. So if the state meets end of May, there's no possible way that you start practice on, let's say April one and win it in the end of May, like you got to prepare track, yeah. track will expose you. It yeah. just will where I could probably take five good basketball players and only practice for four weeks. And I could probably win some state meets if they're that good. Right. If, I, if I have, you know, the studs there. So did, did you win the state meet the year before in 21? We did. Did you win it by a hundred points? No. Did, how many points did you win it by roughly? Uh, maybe oh. about 40 or 50. I'm okay. kind of guessing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Don't we'll hold you. Don't, don't go <laughs> fact right, check okay. them and then yell. Right, yeah, me. please don't. Just, yeah, just off the top of his head. What I'm wondering is you have a successful 21. You probably have some practices in, in the fall of 22, specifically if you're distance for sure, but not sure if you're able to run a you know year-long program. But as you're building through, was there any inkling as you start track season, like, oh, you know, we won by like 40. I, I think we're going to double that. I think we're going to about to crush people. Or was it a surprise as you got there and just everything clicked and everything, you know, you, you have to get lucky in a lot of these places too. You, you didn't have to get too lucky, but you know, some yeah. breaks happen, you know, uh, uh, the, maybe you were seated number two in the four by one and the number one team dropped up a ton, you know, things like that. Did you have an inkling like, Oh, this is going to be pretty special yeah. or, or did it happen at the meet? Well, you know, a couple of things with that. Um, you know, one, I, I try not to ever focus on winning itself. I mean, that comes as a byproduct of doing everything else. Um, but as we started to crunch some numbers, we always do an analysis. Um, we started to understand that hey, we're putting something special mm-hmm. where this is probably going to be one of the most dominant performances that anyone has ever witnessed. And, and these are going to be, it's going to be legit competition here as well. And so um, we, we did start seeing the writing on the wall that we, if we came out and competed the way we were capable of, that we knew that some special things would, would happen. Um, and we really, I really pride myself, our staff, we really pride ourselves on, you know, peaking at the right time. I know some coaches don't believe in peaking. Um, I will always be um, a huge fan of peaking. I, 
I feel like I've won more championships <laughs> um, um, because we were the most prepared team and not necessarily the better team. Um, and, and oh, we had a small hiccup here. We'll wait for Coach Des to come back on here. It's probably my internet, not his. There we go. All right, you're good. You, okay. you, you talk about your love of peaking, which I think that yeah. should be a shirt, by the way. <laughs> yes. I love peaking. That's, yes, that's I love it. Love it. Yeah. Keep going. Keep I mean, going. And I was just going to say that, um, that, I mean, I feel like we've won more championships by being the most prepared team, you know, versus being the better or the best team. Mm -hmm. And we were just emotionally, mentally, and physically and physiologically prepared for that part of the season, um, especially on the girls' side. And it really showed um, at the end of May, leading all the way through nationals in June. How do you keep, you know, we're talking about 14 to 18 year old girls here. Um, you know, I remember when I was that age as, as a boy, yeah, mm -hmm. motivation and, yeah. you know, teamwork and things like that, they were important, but, you know, I'm still 17, 18 years old as you're progressing through the meet and you start this big lead. And at some point, you know, kids are smart and coaches are smart. At some point, you know, the meet's over. It's like, Oh, it doesn't matter what happens. We're, we're yeah. winning. You know, right. we're by 60. Yeah. Uh, if everything goes terrible, we'll win by one, but you know, we can't lose. How do you, as a high school coach working with 14 to 18 year old girls here, how do you keep them, you know, fully pressed on the gas? Right. Cause yeah. at some point they had to be like, coach it doesn't matter right. <laughs> like I know I still want to win because I'm you know maybe I'm in the 200 I, I want to win but you know the girl who's like you know I could get fourth or I could just coast to eighth and it don't matter <laughs> because we still going to win how do you keep them engaged to you know be fully engaged yeah. and fully present and 100 percent all the way through the end of that four by four that's a great question Mike um you know I just want to say that I mean pride um, we, we always talk about being, you know, how you do anything is how you do everything in life. And I want to see them apply that on the track. And I want to see them apply that when they're off the track. And it, I don't think we were ever really looking at the score. You know, only time score became a factor is when the announcers announced the score. But um, everyone was pretty much locked in, ready to do their best at their particular and respective events, um, and they had their assignments. And so, um, you know, we, we created this culture, we created this buy-in, um, which was just super important um, that they learn this value as a, as a life lesson. Mm -hmm. You know, as they, as, when they graduate that we're seeing some of these same qualities about them and other things that they're doing. So, um, there was just no doubt about it when it was their turn to step up to the ring or, you know, on the line um, that they were going to be ready to give their very best, um, no matter what the uh, the score of the meet was. And I have to imagine you and your staff led by example, meaning you didn't coach less because the meat oh, yeah. was in the bag. It's like, no, no, we used to, Hey, you, you know, you did not, yeah. you got to pick up that elbow in the shop, but you yeah. can't drop it. It's like, coach, it's over. We, we got that. Right, right. <laughs> you still got to yeah. do the right thing. Right. No, no, we got, no. we got, we were pumped all the way through. I love that. Did you have any inkling after that meet and after the national meet successes? Uh, you're like, you know what? I think I might have a shot at the national coach of the year award. Did you have any inkling there at all? I, I, I never think about those types of things. Um, you know, I, to be honest with you, um, I, you know, I don't feel like I'm the one deserving to get those things. I mean, I, 
I know I'm at the helm and and of course, when something doesn't go well, <laughs> I'm the first one that people come to find. Yeah, you get but, whatever um, the opposite of the National Coach of the Year award. Right, right exactly. Right, 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 right. <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, but I, I, I have again. I mean, we, I call it the dream team of a staff. Um, some close and personal friends who are coaches. Um, my team, um, the student athletes, they are amazing. My parents are amazing, um, and so. I mean, it just, I'm, I'm, I'm very lucky to be in the situation that I'm in. Um, I, this, this is a hobby for me and I absolutely love it. And, you know, I, I'm, 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 I'm even shocked that I get a stipend for, for doing it. <laughs> well, I don't know how much you make, but you deserve more. And I don't mean yeah. <laughs> because you won the, I don't mean it because you won the meet and you won the award. I will say that to any track yeah. coach, you, I don't care what you make and you should be making more. Um, so, so before we get, because I do want to get to the staff, because you don't score 200 points at your state meet and not score at pretty much every one of the disciplines that we have coaches for. So we're going to learn more about that staff here in a second. But I do want to know, uh, what was it like when you were notified from the USTFCCCA that you were the girls national coach of the year? Were you notified first that you were the DC girls coach of the year and then later it, the national or did that all happen at the same time? And just what went through your mind when you found that out? Yeah, so I, I received a message from Christina um, with the USTF CCCA, um, and I was actually in Jamaica mm -hmm. celebrating my 50th uh, birthday nice. and with a lot of family and friends, and um, I was on my way to, to, to get a massage, <laughs> and, and I ended up just like jumping up for joy, and I, you know, contacted my wife to inform her, send her the text, um, because initially um, I was getting the, these calls from, from New Orleans and right. like, I, I'm thinking that. it's spam. And, <laughs> and then I get the text from Christina and I was, I was, I mean, I was, I was excited to, to receive that. So what and, you're saying is it's good to be coach Des because wait a minute, you're in Jamaica going to get a massage and you get the award like come on that's the trifecta man come on <laughs> holy cow that was a, that was a great moment it yeah was, yeah. was that the dc coach of the of the year or the national did they do both that was, of the, that was the national yeah so what went yeah. through your mind i mean yeah yeah i you know i'm i just from a place of humility i i just really um you know, it felt a little bit of imposter syndrome. Yeah, you know, we talk just, about that a lot. Yeah. 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 And um, it, it was just hard for me to, to, I mean, even as we're talking about this, it just still hasn't sank. I, I don't have this attitude like, yeah, I, I, I should have gotten it. I, you know, deserve to get it. I'm, I'm, I'm living my best life coaching mm -hmm. and I'm only as good as my, last season mm. so you know i mean i'm in cross country right now and mm. yeah i do want to celebrate that with my coaches and and i and i like to think that i do a great job of recognizing them and and you know taking them out to dinner or having a dinner in my backyard and just always showing appreciation mm. and gratitude for you know their friendship for their commitment um, they're they're making a lot of sacrifices. Mm. They help me to make more sacrifices. I mean, iron sharpens iron, and 
the energy that we have as a staff is just amazing. So um, when, when I'm getting this award, it just doesn't fully feel right. Mm-hmm. I feel like um, that, and this will be something I'll throw into the ring that, that you recognize programs, recognize mm-hmm. coaching staffs, you know, mm-hmm. whereas, hey, coach, who else is on your staff? So we can duplicate this award. Yeah. Um, and so um, that, that, that's where I am. Yeah. Um, I, yeah. I, I agree with that a hundred percent. We, we ran a Gill coach of the year program for a while. I was heading that up. And so I'm a huge believer and proponent um, mainly on the college side here, the conferences that instead of giving out a coach of the year, give out the program of the year. Cause I agree. You, you ain't winning a conference title. You ain't winning a state title with, with one coach. You're just, just not, I mean, name it. You can't, you know, cross country, I guess you can have one distance coach and you can win nationals across, but track and field. Sorry, not happening. Right. Right. (laughs) On the coach of the year that we ran, the reason we kept it as a coach of the year program is we wanted, and we did, we wanted to recognize an individual coach that did something amazing because there can be, uh, um, uh, St. John's could have, uh, seven, 14 and 15 foot pole vaulters on your team you don't win the state meet because you don't have any sprinters and jumpers and throwers but it's like wow that pole vault coach like developed seven 15 foot that that's unheard of no high school has that 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 coach should be coach of the year Uh, or or a coach that um fundraised two million dollars for a new facility bingo you should be coach of the you've done something (laughs) heroic right uh but i do tend to think like even these awards and and this is where uh well i got one more question then we're going to jump into this amazing staff but i do think of these awards they should actually in my opinion should be the coach uh the program uh, the staff of the year yeah your individual you know staffs of the states and then your national staff of the year because you just you just ain't getting it done on your own and if you are you you ain't up for this award because you ain't winning (laughs) it right (laughs) So Desmond, w- talk to us about when you got notified, after you got notified of being the national coach of the year, what kind of like fun, cool thing maybe happened? Like, uh, you know, maybe the mayor of DC called, that'd be kind of a big deal. The mayor of DC calls, right? Uh, besides being a guest on this podcast, of course, what other kind of cool thing, fun thing has maybe happened uh, since you got named the national coach of the year? Well, you know, we have a mantra with the team, and it's also with our staff. If one of us win, we all win. So to share this moment with um, my staff, it, it definitely, um, I mean, they, they know that this award is also in their dedication as well um, due to the hard work that they've put in. So I mean, we, we definitely feel like we all have, you know, are a part of this award. We we we, we all have had are, are having success with this. Um, and then it's also just a great feeling with family and friends and, um, you know, at my mother, you know, who's able to experience this. And it's kind of where it's come full circle when she said, look, whatever you do, make sure you're the best. Yeah. And, and, um, and so for her to see um, me accomplish those things um, and, and, my, my wife and kids were, were just super ecstatic. And um, so just to share this moment with my staff, my family, my friends, um, that's, that's all I need. I, you know, I don't, I don't, I don't need a lot of notoriety. I don't need any notoriety. I, I just, I want to be a part of those precious moments. And 
Um, and I do consider this to be a precious moment for, for all of us. Yeah, absolutely. All right. So let's kick it, man. Let's, let's, let's hear the staff. I'm expecting, uh, well, I'm not expecting, I already know these guys and gals are on your staff are rock stars because yeah, yeah, you, have they one, are. you have 200 points. Come on. Yeah. <laughs> uh, they're, they're working and doing it right with 14, 18 year old kids and making positive impacts. Yeah. Tell us who, uh, start with you and what you coach, uh, for the program, uh, you know, what events and such, and then lead us through the rest of the, uh, the staff here. All right. So, um, I, I coach, I, I, I coach all events, you know, your, from, your high school coach. I knew that. Yeah. Right, yeah. <laughs> right. All events, and, then, and I, you know, I have to know all events well. And, um, cause I always want to, you know, just talk shop with, um, the regimen that's put together for all of the, uh, events. Um, I have, a we have a young buck who's on the staff. He is one of my former club runners. Um, his name is Michael Lemon. And he is our sprints coach. Um, and he also um, is, is a coach that uh, has the characteristics to be a head coach. And so um, we, we're kind of keeping that in mind that that he's uh, that we're planting the seeds for him to take over the program once, um, you know, I, I decide to, you know, call it. <laughs> um, I have um, a phenomenal hurdle coach, uh, Zach. Um, we call him Coach Zach, uh, Zach Ray, and he is one of my former uh, Maryland uh, um, athletes. Um, I was very fortunate to coach him in the 400-meter hurdles. Um, he was an NCAA uh, regional qualifier, but, um, you know, was able to do a lot with him um, in terms of uh, preparing him for the long hurdles. And so he's our hurdle coach. Um, and then... Uh, we have a um, young lady, Urana Joseph, who is our, um, she's also our uh, jumps coach. She has, I mean, our jumps program um, carried a lot of weight for us. Um, she is from St. Lucia, and she also uh, competed for the University of, of South Florida. And she just has held multiple multi-event records um, in the HEP. And so she's kind of the mama of the, of the team and also a good friend of mine. Um, there's uh, we got two phenomenal distance coaches, uh, Tim McMahon. We've coached together for over two decades. <laughs> and I, wow. I actually coached his son as a part of one of those club runners when we first started back in the days. Um, his son, Quentin McMahon, um, I guess you got a pretty funny story about this where we had coached maybe about 15, 16 years together. Um, and he coached with me at Maryland and, you know, he's a engineer by trade, very science based. So we, we get along really well and we don't always agree, but we, we figure things out. Um, so after we left Maryland, he was a bit burnt out and, um, and we both were a bit and, so I wasn't sure what was going to be the next steps for me. But then eventually I got I took on the Jackson Reed job and he said to me um, that, dude, I'm done coaching. Um, I'm going to become a beekeeper. And <laughs> yeah, and he loves doing it. Matter of fact, he's he's in Florida now <laughs> um, on the trip. But then he says, dude, the only way I'll ever coach again is if you coach at St. John's. And that that's the school where 
both of his sons went to school and his one son, Quentin, was the school record holder. You know, he ran 15 and some change. And um, and I coached at Jackson Reed for those six years. And then, man, I could not wait to make that call. And I said, dude, you got your stopwatch? You ready? And he's it's like, time. It's he's time. Like, dude, what do you mean? And I said, I'm the new head coach. He could not believe it. All I heard was, holy shit <laughs> that's <laughs> so, awesome yeah so he's back in action with me um he, th- he, he thought he had it safe because he was even naming the school not just you back you coach him but right. you got to be at st john he's he like st john's yeah like, buy that oh, lottery yeah. ticket yeah. and he never right, coming right. in <laughs> yeah yeah so um so he came aboard and you know when we first started um the the school had no championships on the girl side mm-hmm. not not cross country indoor outdoor um, in our first year, we swept it. We we had the triple crown. We won cross country by a few points. We won indoors by a few. We won uh, outdoors, and that was that was a that was a special moment. Um, I got a good buddy who runs a a super competitive program at Elizabeth Seaton. You know, Omar, uh, Coach Omar, and they had won it ten years in a row for on the track side. And then we had a conference team, Bishop O'Connell who had won it 11 times in a row. So we, we, we had our work cut out for us, but, um, but Tim was super instrumental in helping us to get this going. Um, Gabby Grepsky, who was a former head coach at a couple of prominent private schools in, um, in DC, but she also went to a middle and long distance powerhouse uh, uh, program, which is Bronxville and um high school in new york and so she's coming with the plethora and that's the one thing i always say that i have a bunch of coaches that could actually be head coaches mm, sounds that, like it mm. yeah um and then i have um a former another formula former 800 meter athlete from the university of maryland ariana uh tabitha bayou um who uh just she's young she's energetic um, she was a 400, 800 uh, gal. So she did a lot with our middle distance group. Um, and then uh, we, we had a, a great throws coach, uh, Joe Staten, um, who was just always consistent with our throwers, very laid back, loved being around them, people, person um, who we we one of the events at the state meet that we all celebrated with was the young lady who won the discus. Uh, we didn't see it coming, and we knew she would be competitive. But I mean, she showed up on that day, and and I mean, we we all celebrated. Wow, man, that's awesome! I love it. Shout out to uh, all you guys and gals because it takes every one of you from Joe in the throws, Tim, Ariana, Zach. It, it, it doesn't happen. It, it literally does not happen with everybody without everybody coming together. And I got to also shout out our operations uh, manager, uh, Thelma or Ortega, who, um, you know, just did a great job with all the logistics with the team and a lot of the brunt work, making sure that we can spend time coaching mm-hmm. while she was taking care of a lot of those, um, you know, uh, other, other things that, um, that helped to keep the everything well oiled and, and, and moving forward. 
I love it. Yeah. We all need, we all need a, a Thelma in our yeah. life. Honestly, <laughs> we, we all do. We can't live without it. Well, Desmond to wrap up today, you know, to have a successful program like this, you know, it, it's, it's one thing it takes a staff that's, that's kind of table stakes. You have to have a staff and the staff that's committed to working together, a staff that's committed to lead by example. If you want your throwers to watch the four by four, well, I'm going to go out on a limb and say that coach Joe Stanton is paying attention to the four by four. He's leading by example and all the other, you know, combinations we could put there, but you also have to have support. You mentioned the parents of your, of your team, uh, you know, administration, uh, someone's got to drive the bus, uh, yeah. Give us kind of a rundown of just some people that were super, and, 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 and I'm going to give you all leeway here. You're going to forget someone. Everybody always does. Yeah. It doesn't mean like, I, mean, I feel in the pressure. I know I'm putting you on the spot yeah. here, uh, but I just want to get a sense for, you know, for a, a, a program, a coach's program that's listening right now. Who's like, you know, I want to be a good program, but I'm just, I, you know, I, I just can't figure out what to get over the hump. You know, it takes, if you think about this puzzle, it takes all these pieces to come together. And one of those pieces is administration. One of those pieces is a good booster club, parent club uh, uh, piece. Uh, Athletes is a piece, coaches, coaches, ed, it's all these puzzle pieces. So I just kind of want to give a full round picture that while you are amazing and your coaching staff is amazing and your athletes are amazing, that's not enough. It takes these other pieces of the puzzle. Who, what are some of those other pieces for you there at St. John's? Yeah, so um, I mean, so two guys who did our auxiliary training with our strength and performance training, Dominique Graham, uh, Coach Lou, um, and uh, you know, these are pretty straightforward guys that they understand our sport, they understand what we need in terms of uh, the the performance training side of things. Um, our parents uh, always asking, "How can I help? What do you need?" Um, making sure that we, I mean, little things like having snacks and and if it's going to be a long day, sandwiches and just to keep the fuel there. Um, if we need a team tent, you know, fundraising, there's a lot of support around that. And so, um, and, and we have um, an amazing principal who makes it out to most of our championships. Uh, Chris Themistis, he, he, he brings his family out sometimes. Um, but, you know, you can always count on him being around to support the student athletes. And so it's a community. It's a community that that we love, that has grown tremendously. And, you know, we don't have any intentions on stopping soon. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. How many seniors did you graduate from this team? Oh, let me see. We, we, we did not graduate many seniors. Oh, man. We, that we, just... we, did, we did graduate two young ladies that... Um, I, I feel like they they were the backbone of of developing the culture that we need to be. Um, they weren't the most talented, but you didn't know that because they made up for it in other ways. Um, they were super successful. They took first and second, first and third in the hundred meter hurdles. Uh, Amina Martin and and Kylie Ritz. Um, and so I'll always say that they were the ones that gave me that, that they, they ignited me hmm. to want to do more for the program. And now one is at Barnard competing for Columbia. She's in her freshman year. And then Kylie's at uh, Fordham. And so we're traveling to uh, Van Cortland Park this upcoming weekend. So we'll get a chance oh, to yeah. see uh, Amina and some of our other former athletes who are competing. So it's, it's, I mean, we, I can, I can name so many more young ladies, the, the, the shot put, uh, the discus thrower, she, 
um, was also a basketball player. She was our school valedictorian. She's also going to play basketball. She might throw a little bit for Brown. And so, um, you know, we, we I'm, I'm, I'm super proud of, of, of the group that we have and, and the contributions and sacrifices that everyone has made. I mean, that's just an overachiever. State, <laughs> state champ, basketball player, valedictorian, <laughs> goes to Ivy League to play basketball and is probably going to throw – Young lady, you just you put me to shame. I, I haven't done that in my whole life, and you right, right. That in a year, man. That's quite. She, and she's funny, and she's super funny. I, I won't oh. tell her that because then she'll keep going and yeah. going. But <laughs> yeah, we're just gonna uh, act like she's not funny. She has to have right. some little flaw. You're you're not right, funny. Right. All right, you're you're very smart. You're gonna cure cancer <laughs> one day, but you're not funny. Well. Coach Desmond here. Uh, thank you so much. You know, this has been an absolute blast. Um, you know, one of the most valuable things you can ever give me and us here at Galathetics is your time. You know, we had to, we, we went back and forth on getting your time. I know it's super busy time. Like I said, you're going to Van Cortland this weekend. You're in the middle of cross country season uh, and we're going to see each other. You're going to be in Denver, right? I'll be in Denver. Yeah, I can't wait to to hang out with you in Denver and uh, you know get to meet you face to face. The US TFCA convention is literally one of my most favorite things in the entire world. So, uh, so I'm so happy that you joined us here today to give us some of your background and you know just to celebrate, honestly, to uplift and honor what you've done uh, as you lead the St. John's College High School and more. You know, your your story's not done. I know you talked about like, well, you know, maybe. Um, uh, was it Mike? I think it is Mike Lemon. Maybe he's the next head coach. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sorry, Mike. This dude ain't done. You keep learning because it's going to be a while, but that's that's okay. It's going to make it that much sweeter when you do become the next head coach there at St. John's. But uh, Desmond, thanks again for for joining us here on the Gill Athletics Connections podcast. Really appreciate it. Thank you so much, Mike. So I'm going to see him in Denver in December, and I'm going to see you next week. If you didn't catch the other two episodes, this is kind of like I said, a three-parter that we did here. Go back. If you, you, you know, we didn't actually define USTF CCCA. So if this is your first time here and that, that's the United States track and field uh see i knew i was gonna mess up track and field coaches and cross country coaches. cross country coaches sam is going to <laughs> obliterate me we're going to start that all over again i'm not cutting that out ustfca the united states track and field and cross country coaches association there we nailed, go. There nailed, we go. It. Nailed, nailed it. Nailed it. Nailed it. They do a lot for our coaching body out there, right? Uh, for college and high school. Go back two weeks ago, episode 176. We had the CEO, Sam Seams, had him on. We talked about his background and then really jumped into what the USTFCCCA does for coaching and for the coaching body. It's highly important. I highly recommend you go back and listen to that. And then last week in episode 177, we had Tim Byrne, the head coach of, I'm going to obliterate it every time I say it, Tim, the Salih. Louisianum High School up in Delaware. He was the boys coach of the year. And if you're interested, last year's boys and girls national high school coaches of the years, Shelton Irvin down at Summer Creek High School in Texas and Mike McCabe up at Union Catholic in New Jersey. Oh, that's my guy right there. That's, yeah. Great yeah. people, right? I mean, come on. Great people hang around great people. Uh, I mean, that's really the, the crux of it all. Uh, you could go back and listen to them because I think what you'll notice if you go back and listen specifically to those four, Desmond today, uh, Tim last week, and then uh, Shelton and Mike from last year, you know, these are highly successful high school coaches here. And I think if you go back, you'll start picking out some commonalities. You'll notice that almost every, not almost every one of them was really eager to talk about their staff over themselves. Every one of them, every one of them. I, I, if you notice, I'm having to draw out Desmond's story. 
Desmond's quick to talk about his staff. That's the same with Mike and Shelton and Tim. Uh, there's other commonalities. Coaching education comes up. Uh, it was surprising to me uh, because I didn't coach in the high school level very long. So I don't, I don't have this experience is a lot of these guys talk about the coaching education amongst their staff, getting together and hearing from the throws coach. What do you do? Okay. Well, I'm thinking about doing, you know, how can I translate that over to my sprints, uh, sprints group and the distance coach and what is he and she doing? So there's a lot of uh, uh, commonalities inside of that too. So I highly recommend you go back and listen to all four of these coaches of the year. Cause they're just, they're awesome. They're awesome people, awesome staffs, and they've done really some amazing things. So uh, shout out to the U S Marines for sponsoring the USTFCCCA uh, high school boys and girls coach of the year. We'll see you guys in Denver. See you next week. Have an awesome week. We'll talk to you soon. All right. Thanks Mike. What an incredible journey coach has been on. So awesome to hear their story in their own words. Tremendous proof of the positive effects coaches make on a daily basis. Help us spread the word of this great journey by sharing on your favorite social media channel. And don't forget to take a minute to rate and review the podcast. You just might get a shout out on a future episode. That's it for today. Join us next week when we'll connect you with another amazing coach.